0: Hello, and welcome to The Missing Link podcast, a mini series about zero trust. My name's Beck Ney. I'm the head of marketing at The Missing Link and your host for this podcast. We specialize in cybersecurity, IT infrastructure, and automation. We'll be tackling some of the big questions about what you need to know when it comes to integrating a zero trust strategy for your company. We'll walk you through the fundamentals, unpack why identity matters, and explore the process of implementation. But to understand why a Zero Trust strategy is best, we need to start with the basics and ask, what exactly is Zero Trust? To find out the basics of our first episode, today I'm joined by Aaron Bailey. He's the Chief Information Security Officer here at The Missing Link. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Beck. Aaron, can you tell us your thoughts on what Zero Trust means?
1: Absolutely, no problem. So. Zero Trust is a, it's actually a security framework that was originally developed by Forrester back in 2009 that throws away the idea of having an internal trusted network versus an external untrusted network. It was actually derived from the Jericho Forum back in 2004 which was talking about the de perimeterization of IT as devices are moving outside of your control in terms of your offices, as apps are moving outside of your control and data is obviously flowing a lot more freely. So using zero trust, we instead assume that all of your network traffic is actually untrusted. And then we look at various security controls accordingly to monitor, detect and look after that network traffic. Because, of course, with the rapid adoption of cloud mobility and software as a service or SaaS, and of course, the recent global pandemic causing most staff to be forced to work remotely, more than ever, the users' applications and data are actually spreading beyond the traditional control of corporate offices and data centres, and the Zero Trust approach is more important now than ever. So really what all of this means is instead of the old adage of trust, then verify, instead we're focusing here on the core principle of never trust, always verify.
0: What are the main principles behind Zero Trust?
1: Okay, so the three principles as initially defined for Zero Trust by Forrester were that all resources must be accessed in a secure manner, regardless of their location. Secondly, that access control is on a need-to-know basis and should be strictly enforced. And lastly, that organizations must inspect and log all traffic to verify users are doing the right thing. As the Zero Trust framework assumes that attackers could actually be inside or outside your network, no users or machines are ever trusted implicitly. So some of the controls and concepts that can assist with a Zero Trust strategy are things like the principle of least privilege, only giving the users access to what they need to do for their role, and never more than that. Concepts like network segmentation, micro segmentation, having single sign-on or SSO within your environment, employing things like multi-factor authentication or MFA for stronger authentication overall. All of this is encompassed within an identity and access management framework and approach, and some additional enforcement controls are things like network access control or NAC, and obviously with cloud and SaaS being more prevalent, controls such as cloud access security broker or CASB. So overall, you need to be thinking about data, network, device and workload security with advanced analytics and orchestration embedded within your approach. What you're actually aiming to achieve with this strategy is to ensure that the right people have the right level of access to the right resources in the right context that is always assessed continuously while trying to provide the least friction possible to your users.
0: And what are some of the key business benefits that a business can see from implementing these zero trust strategies?
1: Sure. So. Adopting a zero trust strategy can actually ensure that your business can primarily protect your important business data and information assets more easily and more securely. You can reduce things like business disruption for scenarios and examples when that data is accessed or breached or lost in a certain way. Overall, this can help you prevent any reputational damage to your brand if you are the custodian of important data and that actually gets breached and leaked. You can reduce time to detect incidents and breaches within your environment. You can even reduce the overall complexity of your security stack, which is getting harder and harder to do with the mix of on-prem, cloud, and SaaS applications being used today. You can increase the visibility into your data access and your user behavior as well to understand where your users are and what they're accessing, how regularly and what sort of patterns. And overall, you can enable an easier move to the cloud and SaaS while making sure that you've got the controls and visibility of your users and data to do that in a secure manner.
0: And does Zero Trust replace traditional castle and moat cyber security?
1: I wouldn't say it's replacing it, it's definitely augmenting it. You still need certain security controls to create a perimeter around your offices and networks, and some businesses still are choosing to run certain applications on-premise. So these concepts and controls are not going to go away completely anytime soon. But adopting a Zero Trust strategy is simply trying to ensure that you maintain the same control around identity, access, and least privilege, and that this is applied across all application and data locations. So it doesn't actually matter whether or not they're sitting within your network or in someone else's network or across a spread of SaaS applications.
0: It sounds like every business should implement Zero Trust. Are there any barriers to entry?
1: So the first place to start is to look at identity. Zero Trust just can't be effective without strong identity access management, governments and implementation across all your applications and data locations. Most companies start with their identity having spread organically in a fragmented way, quite often having on-premise Active Directory, sometimes a hybrid scenario with an on-premise Active Directory and potentially AD or Azure AD in the cloud sometimes little or no cloud integration and passwords everywhere within the environment. We know this not because of just consultations about zero trust with our clients, but because we have a red team that does red team attack simulations constantly for our clients. And that's what they're going after is credentials. They're really going after domain admin, domain administrator or top level credentials to then spread laterally within the environment and find other systems that have default passwords that aren't necessarily managed the same as Active Directory. Sometimes they just find a a, a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet that's filled, filled with passwords as well that lets them move into multiple systems. So it's really important to assess your current identity state and work on a maturity model approach to move through having a unified identity and access management approach, then to look at providing contextual access for your users with the aim of finally trying to gain an an adaptive workforce with things like risk-based access policies, continuous and adaptive authentication, and most of all, the least friction possible for your users. If your users don't find it easy to enroll, easy to access, without having to remember or write down passwords. This is why we have spreadsheets scattered across the place and post-it notes with people writing passwords because it's not made easy for them. So it's very, very important to aim for that from the outset.
0: So Aaron, why would an organisation use a partner such as The Missing Link to assist with their zero trust strategy?
1: Yeah, sure. So we've got a long history of doing red teaming penetration testing ethical hacking it goes under a few different names or or types or scenarios but really what that is is it's it's a trusted adversary so it's somebody that's actually trying to get into your environment get to your applications get to your data and be able to highlight where those gaps are producing things like reports that show you your risks where you do have things like default passwords where you don't have things like multi-factor authentication where you don't have things like and all of those things I mentioned before, the principle of least privilege, You know, having too many administrators or domain administrators in your environment, because ultimately that's what they're after. They're after credentials, they're after identity, they're after taking that over, piggybacking off legitimate users to be able to move laterally in the the environment. So by doing a, a red team attack simulation type scenario, you can actually build the business case for why you need to look at identity in the first place, and you can start to see where some of the issues and problems are To start to frame your zero trust strategy.
0: Thank you for your insights today, Aaron. For our listeners, if you'd like any further information, you can head to our website, themissingling.com.au, which can be found in the show notes below. Tune in for next week's episode discussing zero trust, starting with identity.